You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and today is the national media right? Should Texas A&M still be considered a top 10 team, but a bottom tier top 10 team going into week three against New Mexico? There's only one place for you to get everything you need to know about the SEC five days a week, and that's Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790. Follow the Locked On SEC podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. As always, if you love this show, make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality sounding podcast on Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at lockedonpodcast.com. All right. So Texas A&M dropped in the polls. We all know that. They went from number 5 to number 7 after a 10-7 victory over Colorado. Now, what does this really say? To me, more than anything, it says that the Pac-12 is actually not that bad. We always talk about the Pac-12 kind of being that lone and forgotten college football conference, but they have the two biggest wins of the year in college football going into week 3, or I guess really week 4. No, it's week 3. I just always forget week zero is a thing, and that's kind of stupid. But they do have the two biggest wins. LSU lost to UCLA in week one, which was a huge move for the likes of the Bruins and for Chip Kelly and for the status of their program going into the fourth year of the Kelly era. They also outplayed them, outrushed them, outthrew them. They dominated most of that game. And Ed Orgeron, the reason why people are saying he's on the hot seat and part of the reason they're saying Jimbo Fisher could be a name to watch for at LSU is because of this reason. It's because of the fact that they know this could be something on the horizon. They could be letting go of Ed Orgeron. The second biggest win of the college football season has come with Ohio State losing to Oregon at home. Oregon outran them. They played better defense than them. They had a better overall standing. They had better time of the possession. They had less penalties. Everything you want to see from Mario Cristobal's team, who I do believe will be in the running for an SEC head coaching job sooner rather than later, I believe personally, right now, Oregon is in the driver's seat, and they should be considered as a college football playoff contender. So maybe the loss against Colorado does not look as bad, or the win against Colorado, my bad. The win against Colorado does not look as terrible when you start seeing Colorado play these other teams. Say they curb stomp UCLA. Well, UCLA curb stomped LSU. Say Ohio State, or I mean Colorado, goes toe-to-toe with Oregon. Say Colorado plays it tight against the Ducks. Say they play a tight against the Utes, and the Utes beat Oregon. Anything along those lines. That doesn't make it as bad as a win if Colorado continues to play at a high-end level. As long as Colorado continues to play at a smart, sophisticated level and show the dominant defensive line being able to pressure anybody in the Pac-12, this win actually looks better and better on paper every single week. But for now, the question is, should A&M be concerned, and should the Aggies fear that they're going to drop in the rankings full-time because of this almost narrowly loss? To me, yeah, I understand why the voters put them down. A&M has to now prove that they can contend in the likes of the SEC, because if they have games now against Arkansas, 
Mississippi State, Auburn, Missouri, Alabama. The October 9th game against Alabama no longer is as sophisticated and as well-dominated as it should be going into this weekend. It's actually now the hiccup game. You now need to get past the likes of Arkansas, who could be ranked for the first time in the Southwest Classic since 2016, before taking on Alabama. They dominated Texas, and Texas has quarterback issues, and Texas has a little bit of offensive line issues. Guess what the same question is at Texas A&M? Quarterback issues? Offensive line issues. So moving Texas A&M down into the seventh spot, some people have them as low as 10, some people have them as high as six, but they're not inside the top five. It's actually warranted right now. A&M is playing with a target on their shoulders, and that's from the national media saying, maybe we overhype them. I've said multiple times on the show, and I'll continue to say it. The offensive line play really has dictated, in my opinion, where Texas A&M falls in the rankings. I don't think that they are necessarily a top five team, but I definitely think they're a top 10 team when you look consistently at that defense, but nobody cares about defense. Nobody does. If they did, A&M would have been in the college football playoff last season over Ohio State, over the likes of Notre Dame. They would have been in if defense didn't matter. If defense had a big factor, A&M would have easily been a college football playoff contender, but they're not because of its offense that matters. Until Zach Calzada, until this offensive line, until you see that rapport come together, it's understandably justifiable to say A&M is maybe the fourth best team in the SEC. Arguably, they are the third best team, but I will say you can make an argument that they're the fourth best team. Depending on how close Alabama plays Florida, maybe Florida is actually better than A&M on paper. I'm not saying that they are. I'm saying in the national spotlight, yes, maybe they are. Or maybe there's just a giant drop-off. Think about this for a second. Maybe the drop-off isn't really with Texas A&M and the rest of the other teams. Maybe it's just Alabama and Georgia are here, trickle, 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 then A&M, trickle, 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 then everybody else in the SEC. Have you ever thought of that? Maybe third place is just where A&M sits right now. For me, that's where they sit. Dominant performance by Georgia against UAB, quality performance against Clemson. Alabama struggled a little bit against Mercer, but they have a dominant game against Miami. That's top 25 win. A&M struggled. And I get it. It's a new quarterback. You got to give him time. This week for Zach Calzada is so huge because of what you did against Colorado, you cannot do against New Mexico. I don't even care if New Mexico's 2-0. And I know Jimbo Fisher said, it ain't a game. It ain't a tune-up game. This is a live game. They're 2-0. They're playing good football. Yeah, but then what does that say about A&M? If you're playing close with New Mexico, you're not a top 10 team. You have to be able, maybe not beat the spread, but you got to be able to win by at least two touchdowns. You have to have to have a 14-point, 16-point, 18-point differential against the Lobos if you want to be respected. This is a very big game for Zach Calzada. And until proven otherwise, I understand why the national spotlight has a target on A&N's back. But you know what is good about having a target on A&N's back? Only more room to shut people up. Only more room to prove we are back and we are legit. Plain and simple. You want to show that you are legit? This is a good week to show it. By beating a team by 18-plus points, getting ready for the Southwest Classic. College football and the NFL seasons are back and bets are higher than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are taking the field to try and win a Lombardi Trophy or a college football national championship. That means bets are at an all-time high, so when you make your bets, go to the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. From football, basketball, boxing, UFC, college sports, and much, much more, go get your bets in every single day. Don't wait on the sidelines. Take advantage of the amazing offers. And when you go visit betonline.ag, sign up today to receive 
receive a 100% welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo NFL.com. NFL 100, my bad. And make sure you also use the promo Locked On for 50% off your very first purchase. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports is found at betonline.ag. Your online sportsbooks experts. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. All right. So I went back and I watched every bit of Haynes King's drops. I went back and I watched every single set of where Haynes King performed well and where he struggled. Let's start off with where he performed well. His vision. In the second half, his vision was on point. He didn't try to force any throws. He really started to feel a bit more comfortable. And his confidence was never shot. A lot of quarterbacks in their first couple drives will feel lost and concerned when playing. Coming off the bench. They really will. That drive never left. King, when he went down, felt like game was over. Or felt like game was in trouble. And yeah, the game was. Colorado had A&M's number in the entire first half. But when you watch Calzada in the second half, his comfortability went up. His casualness of throwing the football went up. Everything about his game felt a little bit more smooth. He was in control. He wasn't making bad decisions. He was hoping he was hoping to find receivers open. There was a they, Colorado, I will give him this. They did a very good job blanketing AM's receivers, especially in a man defense. In a man scheme, they did a very good job blanketing and covering up AM at a consistent level to where you could not find a foot an open field. You could not find an open receiver. Time and time again, Calzada tried to force stuff in the first half, and it just wasn't going. It just it, it couldn't have been going. So at least he did a good job there. The other thing, bailing. He wasn't afraid to move outside the pocket. Everybody talks about how Haynes King was just such a mobile guy, how fast he is, four or five times. And he is that. But Calzada showed that when the pressure was on, when the pocket collapsed, when it was time for him to step up and make big time throws, he was able to do so. And if he wasn't able to make the throw, he kept drives alive with his legs. Three plays, I think of over 10 plus yards rushing the ball, two first downs, one being the 13-yard touchdown run that was called back because of the fumble. We all know that. That's a whole different argument for another day. But when you look at AM, everyone said that Calzada was a pocket passer. Calzada was best inside the pocket. I said it too. I'll be the first to admit it. I was one of the people who said it. I believe though, when you look at Calzada, when you look at what he was able to do, how he was able to use his legs, that's a big deal. Remember how Mac Jones last year for Alabama used his legs? Wasn't a running quarterback. Far from a running quarterback. I think that's very important to know. But he was able to keep drives alive. Picking up first downs, controlling the clock, controlling the time of possession, restarting the drive. Every single time you pick up a first down, you're basically restarting a drive. So if you missed a guy on a comeback route on an 18-yard play on that first, second, and seven, you get another shot because you're restarting the drive. You have three plays in every drive or three plays in every scheme. And then once you get that, you restart. You pick it back up. You collectively continue to move the ball. Those are things you have to like about Zach Calzada. He kept drives alive. He kept momentum. What's the other thing I liked about him? His confidence. According to Jimbo Fisher, when he came off the sidelines after the fumble, he wasn't afraid. He said, I got this. My bad. We will go back down. We will score. If AM would have scored both times, the final score would have been 17-7. And I think a lot more people would have been more understanding of the play. I think a lot more people would have been more content with that score. It's the fact that it was 10-7 
the fact that it was a close game that it shouldn't have been is where people had concerns. But that confidence level, a quarterback needs that. That's non-negotiable. Any quarterback that does not have the confidence every single drive to be, I am, am the king. I am the boss. I am going to F-S up every single play. You can't F and stop me. I'm that good. You need that. You need that type of guy. Calzada feels like that type of guy. Maybe he's not at that full capacity yet, but he is a guy who has done a really good job of making sure his confidence has never been wavered, never been faltered, and it's going to be interesting to see how he plays. Now, there were some negatives. Let's go ahead and talk about one, and then I'll talk about the other one on the other side of the break. The first one, rattled at the start. A slow showing, whether he was planning on playing or not, is unacceptable. This is SEC football. You look at what Antonio Morrison is doing, or Antonio Johnson, my bad, at Florida is doing. You look at what Stetson Bennett did at Georgia with JT Daniels out. You look at those two and how they've played the number two role quite well. You look at what, um, there's another quarterback. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, anyways, not, not important. You look at what those quarterbacks have done. They've prepped like they were going to play that day. And you know what? Probably so when you look at what is going on with Emory Jones and Antonio Richardson, whole different story. Yeah, I think you know right now that Antonio Richardson knows he's getting snaps in every game. He may not be the starter, but he is getting snaps in every game. When you look at Stetson Bennett, he knew that this was his one shot to maybe fight for JT Daniels for the starting role once again, or at least boost his confidence when he goes as a grad for grad transfer into the transfer portal next year to try and land with the Power 5 school. This was his shot to do so. Calzada didn't have that. Calzada started off slow. He started off sluggish. It looked like a guy who felt like, oh, I'm going to be sitting on the sidelines most of the day. Holy crap, I'm in the game. That's what it felt like. Against Colorado, I'm going to say right now, you can't do that. You certainly cannot do that against Arkansas. You can't do that against Mississippi State. You can't do that against Ole Miss. You can't do that against Auburn. You certainly cannot do that against Alabama. And those are games that are coming up. So the fast start needs to happen. I don't care if you are expecting to play one snap or 40 snaps. If you are an SEC quarterback, you better prepare like you are a starter at any other school. If you cannot do that, you do not need to be in the SEC. So definitely, Calzada has to have a hot start against the New Mexico. Against New Mexico, He has to. And it's not for anything other than the sheer fact of the matter. He has to do it for himself. If he doesn't do it for himself, nobody is going to believe in him. And if nobody believes in the quarterback, your team is dead in the water. 10 out of 10. I want to keep talking about, you know, what's going on with Dak Calzada. Can he be the franchise guy? But before I do, this episode of Lock on Aggies is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavors? So when you want to get that Bilt Bar flavor, every single flavor is great. It doesn't really matter if you're a coconut gal, a coconut almond guy, a raspberry kid, a mint brownie old timer. Every single flavor is one for you. Plus, if you don't know what flavor you want, it's okay. Because guess what? You can get the mix box. You'll get two of every bar of every single flavor. The bars are low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for anybody on the keto diet. Most bars include 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this out on the shelves. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your very first purchase. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. 
All right, college football fans, have you heard of prize picks? If not, it's totally okay. It's fantasy for the college football game made easy. I love this. I know you will too. PrizePix is the leaders in all college sports daily fantasy. You can pick up on major college football props or anyone in the world that offers a star player of a power five or mid-major type school. You may have not even heard of this before, but it's totally okay. Pick your players, pick your notion, pick what you want to do. Do so right before the start of every single game and you can win up to 100% your money back. All you got to do is pick two to five players, bet the over-under. You can do this every single time. So whether you want to bet on LeBron James scoring 50 a single night, whether you want to bet on JT Daniels throwing four picks or not, bet the over-under, win some money, use the award-winning app on the App Store or have Google Play. Entries can be made for in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Go, don't hesitate anymore. Visit prizepicks.com. Go to the App Store, download the app today. PrizePix is your daily fantasy made easy, especially at the college football realm. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Betting on SEC football does not have to be a challenge when you listen to the brand new Locked on Bet show with your boy Q and me, Matthew Expertise. Getting your picks, wagers, things locked the day, and much, much more when you listen every single day to our brand new Locked on Bets podcast presented by betonline.ag. Download the app wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Okay, the other thing that Haynes King has to do, ball control, plain and simple. I understand how that play falls out. And I understand how people maybe understand why that play happens and why you don't have to be as mad. It doesn't matter. In games in the SEC, a turnover could be the difference of you walking away a champion and you falling flat. It happens every single day in the SEC. You see it, you hate it, you don't want it to happen again. You cannot be on that side of the spectrum. You have to be the guy who makes the play. You cannot have turnovers. Every turnover you get, you have to take one back. So if you have two turnovers, you have to get two turnovers from your defense. That puts more pressure on your defense time and time and time and time and time again. When you flip it on the flip side, if you don't have any turnovers, guess what? Nine times out of 10, you're going to score. And this AM offense can be very good. I really do think so. You do have a really good possessional receiver in Chase Lane. You have a very good vertical threat in Caleb Chapman. You have some guys who you have no idea what they can be. Moose Muhammad. You have uh, Demond Demas. You have a couple of other receivers that you that I think you could really like. Hezekiah Jones, I think, is coming back this week. Maybe not. He'll come back next week. But you look at this team and you look at the situation and you look at where this you know where this offense is. Any turnover is a problem, and that means behind the line of scrimmage on a sack. That means in the open field. And when Zach Calzada dove for the the plane, he had one hand on the ball. I will give him a pass this week. I get it. You're you're excited. You think you're going to be able to score. I love the drive. You realize you're going to get down at the one. You can't get down at the one. You need that end zone. You need to find the play. If you're going to get there, just slide. Just stay out of the way. The last thing you need to do is have a turnover. But the biggest thing of all, and this is not on Zach Calzada. This is on the offense as a whole. Offensive line has got to play better. The offensive line has got to play better. Everyone. That includes Kenyon Green. Kenyon may be an All-American at left guard. He is struggling at right tackle, which makes me wonder what is going on at left tackle to where he struggled. Is this going to be a concern all season long? Alabama has top-tier defensive linemen. Arkansas has two really solid defensive tackles up the middle. Auburn is known for their run defense. They have been known for their run defense offensive line play has got to get better because if if you struggle passing the ball it's okay for now 
The reason is you have a very solid run game with four to five running backs that can work. LJ Johnson, Ernest Cronover. Uh, I'll throw DeAndre Jackson in there. You can throw Anaya Smith in that conversation. And then you have the one-two combination of Isaiah Spiller and Devon Aching. Those are two guys that immediately take you to that next level. They absolutely shine. When that happens, you have got to be playing at a high-end level. You cannot allow plays like that to falter you or make you fall flat. That is a big concern. If the offensive line does not block for Calzada, and again, Jimbo Fisher said this, it's it's Zach's job to run the offense to his ability. It's the offensive line's job and the offensive weapons around him to make him better. If Calzada cannot do that because of poor offensive line play, how can we really judge Calzada? I've said this time and time again. I'll say it one more time. It does not matter about the five weapons you have in the passing attack. It matters about the five men you have up front. If you have five good offensive linemen, any quarterback can look stable. If you have five good offensive linemen, any run game can look stable. If you have five good offensive linemen, any passing set can look stable. It's all about the run game. It's all about the offensive line play. Bad offensive line play, you're not going to be able to do diddly squat. Good offensive line play, doesn't matter if I'm back there. I at least have a shot to win. Because of the offensive pieces around me are so talented that all I got to do is quick dump passes and get good protection. If I have good protection, I at least have a fighting chance. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. I'll be back tomorrow to talk all things about Terry Wilson, former Kentucky quarterback. If you want to win this game, we'll talk that much, much more. See you then. Remember, give me out. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.